Chapter 11b of Bible Defense of Slavery by Josiah Priest. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. With this view of the character of Melchizedek, or Shem, the son of Noah, it is no wonder that St. Paul, a man of immense literary acquirements, should say as he did, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 4, now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoil, calling him better than Abraham in point of eminence, placing him above all other men on the earth on account of his wisdom, goodness, and great age. For at the time he blessed Abraham on his return from the battle with the kings of Shinar, he was five hundred and fifty-two years old, and lived after that ninety-eight years. No doubt, therefore, but that he often visited the city Seons, which was built by the house of Japheth immediately after the flood, and was located north of ancient Persia, near the southern end of the Caspian Sea, in the very neighborhood of Mount Ararat and was doubtless the great mart of trade to the first settlements of the children of Japheth, along the coasts of that sea and the rivers which run into it. Javan, the same whom we have mentioned in connection with Madi, ancestors of the Medes and Persians, both sons of Japheth, and the founders of the city Seons, which was built two hundred and thirty-three years before the birth of Abraham, and but fifty-nine years after the flood. Rollin, Volume 2, page 222. From this fact there can be no doubt but the race of Japheth were the builders of many other cities, towns, and villages, as well as Seons. They were the builders of ancient Troy in Greece, and of Cyrene in African Libya all great cities, and many hundred miles asunder from each other. Here we see that if the children of Japheth at that early period occupied the space between the Caspian and the Black Seas, and Greece along the Mediterranean, which is now known as Turkey in Europe, how great an empire or country they were spread over, by which we perceive the hand of providence in their greatness, preparing them to fulfill the things which were foretold by Noah. They were to accomplish toward the races of Shem and Ham. This Seons, founded by Javan, one of the sons of Japheth, was, therefore, the first and eldest city of mankind after the flood, in all probability as it stood much nearer to Ararat, the place of Noah's dwelling, and the ark, than did the cities of Ham, further down the Euphrates, in the country of Shinar, Babel, and Babylon. It appears that white men, the descendants of Japheth, actually, in the very first ages, found their way into the heart of Africa, as a colony, and built the city of Cyrene, the capital of Negro Libya. Watson's Historical Dictionary, page 584. 
this was a grecian colony if then the libyan negroes were indebted to white men for the origin of their capital city in those early times how much may not the ancient egyptians have been also indebted from the same source thus we are prepared to notice the first instance on the page of history of the beginning of the accomplishment of the prophecy of noah respecting the rule and predominance of japheth over the races of shem and ham this began to take place as noticed on the page of history on a great scale not till about twelve hundred years after the curse of noah and about the same length of time b c this we derive from herodotus chapter two page two fifty four who says that the greeks in the time of troy full twelve hundred years before the time of christ had black slaves then after this it is seen that they were greatly enslaved by the greeks in the times of philip of macedon and his son alexander the great the countries of alexander subjected to his arms was the old assyrian empire who were of the race of shem settled along on the euphrates sometimes called chaldea he went quite to jerusalem south and even to egypt he also made war upon and reduced to personal slavery in the literal sense of the word such of the canaanites as had after the times of david and solomon taken root again in old palestine or the holy land in this country he destroyed the city of tyre one of the oldest cities of ancient phoenicia in the country of canaan which neither david nor solomon molested on account of hiram its king and sold the people both high and low for slaves at that time the jews bought thousands of the negroes of tyre and sold them again to the sabaeans a people of arabia as was foretold should take place by the prophet joel this people the old canaanites or citizens of tyre and its country after being thus entirely broken up and sold as slaves multiplied greatly in the grecian countries as they do always in all countries in a state of servitude but were everywhere held as slaves by the white men of those times being bought and sold the same as they are now in the southern states but this was not all for the romans who were also the descendants of japheth as well as all the grecian tribes and nations bought and sold negroes even down to the time of the apostles and for many ages after by thousands and millions and when the romans were swallowed up by the northern nations the same as the romans had done to the greeks and other countries those same northern hordes who were the descendants of japheth continued the practice of enslaving black men all these revolutions of countries states empires and kingdoms making no difference in this particular with the doomed race 
such as the Greeks did not conquer and enslave, the Romans did, for it was they, in the victories of Scipio, who destroyed the vast empire of butchering Carthage in Africa, a colony at first, from the land of Negro Canaan, who, under Dido, a female, about the time of Ahab, some seven hundred years B.C., pitched their tents on the African side of the Mediterranean. Of the millions of this confused empire, hundreds of thousands were sold, the descendants of whom were held in perpetual bondage as personal slaves during the existence of the Roman government. And after that event, the fall of the Roman Empire by the sword of the northern nations, who were also the descendants of Japheth, except the Huns, the Negroes of Carthage, as well as all the race who had been enslaved by Greek or Roman, still in their posterity remained slaves among the mingled tribes, revolutions, convulsions, and the overturn of empires, making no difference with their fate. After this, the Turks, who are the descendants of Japheth, conquered all the regions of the east, included in Asia Minor, as Judea and the rest of old Canaan, Persia, Syria, Armenia, etc., so that the Negro race who yet remained in their ancient country were still further reduced to personal slavery till none were left free. Newton on the Prophecies, page 18. But the subject of the fulfillment of Noah's prophecy, or the decree of God respecting the slavery of the race of Ham by Japheth, or the white race, stops not here. For all the nations of Europe and Asia Minor, from the days of Alexander the Great, more or less, have sought after the negro for a slave, even in their native haunts, in Africa and the islands. America, too, has done this in both hemispheres, ever since its discovery by Columbus, so that the race of Japheth, though dwelling on the utmost bounds of the earth, and divided by seas and oceans, have, under the direction of the providence of the God who decreed the Negro's enslavement by the whites of Japheth's race, fulfilled that decree. Thus we see that no decree of God falls to the ground, and never will, as we have said at the beginning of the section. Though God had reserved the latter ages of the earth to carry it into effect. That this is so, let no man glory or rejoice, lest he be found glorying in the judgments of the Creator, which, as saith the Scripture, are his strange work, and thus seem to take upon himself the awful responsibilities of awarding to nations and individuals judgments which are above us. Let him, therefore, who shall enslave any of the negro race, do it with reverence, as it was God who has made the white man to differ from the black, 
and appointed the destinies as well as the bounds of our habitations and permitted in the latter ages of the earth the children of japheth to enslave the people of ham as well as he did the descendants of shem in the first ages both cases being necessary to the veracity of the scriptures on that identical subject what society of men or combination of individuals therefore can turn aside or abolish the steady and determined course of god's will for we have everywhere held in this work that the subjection of the race to servitude was judicial and not fortuitous but was secured in the very formation of their bodies brains mental powers moral character of their passions and colors of their skin as well as by a written decree and will be judged at the last day according to what they have received and not according to that which they have not received but notwithstanding the absolute importance that all the prophecies of scriptures should be fulfilled one as much as another yet abolitionists in their furious zeal for the cause of the negro race make very light of the curse of noah in the particular of the negro's destiny and of that part of the law of moses which relates to the same thing treating them as of very uncertain application as well as of very little force at the present time merely on account of their very great antiquity to prove that this is true respecting them as we suppose them to be unanimous in their published opinions on the subject we shall quote a few remarks from one of their newsprints entitled the friend of man published at utica january fifteenth eighteen thirty nine under the head the facts of slavery as they are as follows quote, remember says the writer we are now inquiring after facts not theories the facts of our own age and nation not those of a dim antiquity or of a distant region we bring into the court meaning before the public the facts belonging to this trial not the facts of a cause that was tried and decided and awarded two or three thousand years ago from the above quotation of abolitionist effusions is it not certain that the writer of the above remarks in order to turn aside the force of the bible on the subject of negro slavery therein recognized has aimed a deadly shaft from the quiver of his reckless imagination at the sacred and venerated institutions of moses by the insidious words two or three thousand years ago and another at the decree of god set forth by noah in the phrase dim antiquity the whole of the article as above was intended as a slur upon such as resort to the scripture to prove that the servitude of the negro race 
is therein allowed and justified to the perception of the writer of this work the author of the dim antiquity idea might as well have written that although noah did pronounce the will and decree of god in placing the race of his son ham under the ban of servitude to the races of both his other sons shem and japheth that it is now in these enlightened times entirely antiquated as that was but a transaction of dim antiquity suppose we were to apply this mode of comment to some other subjects of scripture say for instance to the promise of the messiah made to eve at the time when she had fallen from her innocence by tampering with the devil in the disguise of a serpent genesis chapter 3 verse 15 called in that place the seed of the woman which is the first and eldest promise as well as prophecy relative to that character which is found in the bible and should say respecting it oh it is too far back in time to be allowed any influence nowadays as it is but a saying of dim antiquity and cannot therefore apply to these times of facts superior knowledge and light and were we to apply this method of comment to the ten commandments of the decalogue which are of the same date with the grant of moses leviticus chapter twenty five to the hebrews to buy and enslave the negroes of canaan and should insinuate that they too are but some words spoken two or three thousand years ago and on that account had lost their obligatory force we should be ranked with those who can abuse and pervert the scriptures to suit the times and purposes of wicked and foolish men yes so hardened bold and impudent have many of the members of that fearful combination the abolition society grown that they disallow that the holy ghost inspired noah at all at the time he pronounced the doom of slavery upon the race of ham because they say it is preposterous to believe that god would commune with such a man as noah when he had but just awakened from a sleep of drunken inebriation but the reader will remember our vindication of noah's character on that occasion in a former page and should never forget that notwithstanding this slander of abolitionists upon that holy man for whose righteousness the ark was commanded to be built and mankind preserved in it the almighty has seen fit to fulfill and carry out in facts every iota of that decree as then announced not only as it relates to ham and his people but also to shem and japheth to discourage a belief in the minds of the people that the holy scriptures justify the servitude of the negro race writers and lecturers of the above description 
have sacrilegiously dared to lay violent hands on a high and venerated circumstance of the bible namely that of its antiquity as if a subject and doctrine which has become aged is therefore of no more influence and in this way they endeavor to disarm those particular passages of the sacred word which relate to this subject and thus open the door for infidels to laugh at christianity and its adherents because they refuse to receive only such portions of the precepts of that book as suit their interested opinions instead of the whole but this kind of insinuation against those who believe the bible justifies negro servitude is equally against st paul as well as the prophets on that subject for if we find that great judge of both law and gospel sustaining moses and the jews in this thing he too as well as those who were before him who believed as he seems to have believed on this subject must be condemned as sinners by abolitionists for be it known that they would rather stamp the bible into the mire of the earth than to receive that opinion so high have they set their dogmatizing feelings above all that is sacred and true a specimen of the recklessness of the spirit of abolitionism is seen like tissue spinning from some opening crevice in the earth which covers a subterranean lake of fire in the speech of mr g bradburn of massachusetts in the great london abolition convention as follows quote, but then it was said that slavery was advocated and enforced in the bible now if it were so with all the veneration he had for that holy book if it were shown to him that it sanctioned the traffic in human flesh he would throw it from him and learn again his religion and philosophy from the flowers of the fields pennsylvania freeman number two o four august sixth eighteen forty from this it is clear that the bible is of no account with this society if it happens not to coincide with the course of abolitionism but says one does st paul in his writings of the new testament anywhere seem to sanction the enslaving of black men we will hear what he has said and then judge in first corinthians chapter twenty verse twenty one where both the fact of negro slavery and its legal righteousness are as plainly though incidentally stated as it is in genesis chapter nine verse twenty five leviticus chapter twenty five verses forty four through forty six or any other doctrine of the scriptures elsewhere in the above scripture st paul in making some remarks on the condition of the different classes of men who were converted to christianity under his as well as the preaching of the other ministers of the gospel says 
that on account of their being converted to the faith of christ no man was to forsake his business or calling but was to remain as he was in such a particular showing thereby that christianity did not contemplate the breaking up of the civil relations of the country even as they were then in operation among the people to make this point clear he seizes upon an extreme case of human calling which was that of slavery and urges that such a one was to expect no change in his temporal affairs on account of his faith in christ with a view to impress this very principle on the minds of all men in that age he says in the above-cited chapter of first corinthians let every man abide in the same calling or business wherein he was called or converted art thou called being a servant or slave care not of it but if thou mayest be made free personally use it rather for he that is called being a servant or slave is the lord's free man that the character here referred to by st paul was an absolute slave or bondman is made clear by the words if thou mayest be made free as such language could refer to no other than to slaves as all others were politically free on the above statements of st paul adam clark has written as follows though an abolitionist of a most determined character Quote, art thou converted to christ while thou art a slave the property of another person and bought not hired with his money care not for it this will not injure thy christian condition but if thou canst obtain thy liberty use it rather prefer such a state for the sake of freedom and the temporal advantage connected with it the man who being a slave and is converted to the christian faith is the lord's free man his condition as a slave does not vitiate any of the privileges to which he is entitled as a christian it is likely that some of the slaves at corinth who had been converted to christianity had been led to suppose that their christian privileges absolved them from the necessity of continuing slaves or at least brought them on a level with their christian masters a spirit of this kind might have led to confusion and to insubordination and brought a just scandal upon the church it was therefore a very proper subject for the apostle to interfere in and to his authority the persons concerned would doubtless respectfully bow at this point we wish to draw a certain conclusion which is afforded in the above passages in the text of st paul and this is it if the conversion of the soul of a slave to god through faith in jesus christ did not and could not release him from personal slavery in paul's time how much less therefore 
could the mere circumstance of a negro's foreskin in the times of the jews which was no conversion of the soul absolve such an one from a condition of slavery and servitude for a bondman to become circumcised say the defenders of abolitionism under the laws of moses made him a member of the hebrew church or nation on which account they contend that at the jubilees all such bondmen went free the same as did all other hebrew servants but the above statements of st paul cut off all probability of any such thing in their favor under the jewish law for if the conversion of the soul could not assist in such a case under the auspices of christianity how could a mere cut in the flesh of the foreskin of a negro canaanite aid him in a release from slavery and exalt him to freedom without a direct and express law on the subject there was no such law in their favor in the mosaic code but there was one to the contrary we cannot well pass on in the subject till we have referred the reader to one or two very singular remarks of adam clark in the above comment of his on the subject of personal slavery seeing he was an abolitionist Quote, it is likely he says that some of the slaves at corinth who had been converted to christianity had been led to suppose that their christian character absolved them from slavery a spirit of this kind says clark might have led to confusion and to insubordination and brought a just scandal on the church how different is this language of the wisest men of these latter ages from the language of the abolitionists of the present time who in the most dauntless braggadocia and fierce manner condemn to the flames of an eternal hell all such men as own negro slaves who defy all the powers of government and teach the doctrine that on account of any possible results whether murder insurrection a division of the union insubordination good order civil war or loss of our country are no reasons against nor matters of any moment when compared with the inestimable liberty of negro men in this country but so did not adam clark believe nor teach neither did st paul as they had respect to the established order of things and did not wish to encourage insurrection murder and disorganization as do abolitionists in their ultra doctrines End of chapter 11b